Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan, and I'm once again joined by all of my awesome co-hosts, Shane Kelly, my bro host. How are you doing, Shane? I'm amazing. Life is good. And Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. It's good to see all of you. I feel like it's been a little while. Yeah. And Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm also really happy to record with all my all my boys. Can I call you guys my boys? I don't think I've ever done that before. Now ha. is apparently when I've decided to start. Good. I'm into it. Uh, let's go with it. I am excited to have all four co-hosts on the show all together again as well. And I'm also excited to be back with another Bithel short. Uh, we're talking this week about, I was just about to call it Subsurface Circular. This is the next one. Uh, Quarantine Circular. Quarantine Circular is the newest game by Mike Bithell and his team, which I think is just called Bithell Games, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so if you've followed the short game for a while, you probably uh, are familiar with Mike Bithell. Uh, we have been really into his stuff for a while. One of the first games we covered on this show uh, like four plus years ago was uh, Thomas Was Alone. We also did an episode on volume. And I think it was last year we did an episode, it was episode 130 on Subsurface Circular, which was very exciting for us because Mike Bithell decided to do a very short sort of bite-sized narrative focused uh, sort of text adventure game with graphics and uh, released it sort of as a surprise out of nowhere last year, uh, basically saying, hey, I think we can do these sort of small bite-sized one sitting experiences and release them for a low price point, around $5 on Steam, and just see how that works out. He originally uh, positioned that as something he was sort of putting out in between larger projects. Um, But apparently it was very successful, and here we are to talk about another one. Yeah, it's funny. Thomas Was Alone and Volume were already great games for our format, and Bithel and his team were like, how can we make games that are even more for the short games format. Even shorter. Even shorter. Yes. I can't get enough one sitting games. Uh, and it's been great. I, I did not expect to become a uh, master of the Bithelverse, but <laughs> as it expands and expands, I am uh, happy to be here. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, I, this is my first Bithel game that I have played other than uh, Volume and Thomas Was Alone. And I, uh, so I think I'm the one that's played the least of these. Uh, from you guys, I didn't even really, I don't think I finished volume. I definitely didn't finish volume. So I, it's been, uh, it's been really neat kind of picking up on this guy's work, but this game really hooked me in a way that none of those did. Uh, I really love the, uh, like multi-character, uh, kind of decision drama, like being able to, to, to take control over, everyone in this incredibly dramatic situation. It's just so cool. Yeah. It's really fun. And I just love the sci-fi storytelling. It's really good stuff. So if you didn't play Subsurface Circular last year, um, I'm just going to give sort of a brief overview of like what this type of game is. And this game, uh, Quarantine Circular, is it's not actually a sequel to Subsurface Circular, but it's very much the same sort of thing. So um, uh, both of these games are mostly driven through conversation. Uh, So you are playing uh, through a series of conversations with various characters, uh, mostly in the form of kind of what looks like a chat log, and you can make decisions as part of that, uh, that conversation, usually by asking questions, and occasionally by doing things like uh, collecting conversation points. I forget what it calls it and calls them in this focus version. points, focus points. Thank yeah, you. The focus points. You kind of collect these focus points, which become kind of topics of conversation that you can later bring up to introduce new dialogue options in conversations. Um, it's a pretty simple gameplay style. Uh, it basically is a text adventure uh, with a sort of dialogue driven uh, style, but it also has this really slick, beautiful presentation with, uh, you know, full 3D graphics that are sort of uh, dioramas of the scenes that are playing out that happen kind of behind the text. You're not controlling characters, but you're controlling the flow of conversation, and the characters are sort of acting out that conversation in the background behind your text as you're making your text based choices. While Subsurface Circular was much more of a mystery solving, I mean, it's literally a whodunit 
Uh, this is much more, as Shane said, about the drama. And there is a lot of drama. There is an alien and why is it on Earth? And also Earth might be in a terrible situation. As you're having these conversations, you're not only unveiling more about the alien and why he's here, but also the state of Dubrovnik, which is pretty <laughs> great. And we like a lot of interactive fiction here. And this is really great because you have a lot of good choices to make. And there's a lot of pretty 3D models, yes, but really the heart of it is talking and reading and crying yeah. and occasionally making big explosive decisions. This is as much an interactive fiction game as any other interactive fiction we cover in IF Comp. It just has a very pretty outline, a very pretty display, you know, a very pretty background, but it is essentially interactive fiction, uh, which is awesome. I mean, what other, you know, Bithel's a pretty big developer at this point. Like, I don't know of anyone else that's releasing games like this. Yeah, me neither. I, I want to talk a little bit about the development side of this before we talk too much more about the story, because I think that's, at least from our perspective as a show, how these games are being made is almost, and why they're being made, is almost as interesting as the games themselves. Um, you know, with the, with the last game, Subsurface Circular, uh, they sort of positioned it as, we had what seemed like some downtime in between our big project volume and our next big project. And it sounded like they were just coming up on a next big project, but for scheduling reasons, they had about five months where they didn't have anything necessarily planned and wanted to fill that time by trying something experimental. And uh, they sounded like they were willing for it to fail, but interested to see if it would work out. Um, in talking about this game's development, it seems like it very much did. Uh, so this game, they gave it about... So one thing that's sort of surprising was that they didn't then move directly on to that big project that they, like, alluded to. Uh, Subsurface Circular was successful enough that it kept their team going, and they were able to... They decided to just do another one of those, which I think is a really interesting thing. That was, you know, something that seemed like a placeholder actually was enough of a success for the team to roll right into trying to expand on those ideas and do something similar. Uh, and this time, it seems like they took a little longer with it than they did with the last one. This one had an eight-month development time, which is really, really short for a game, but like long, I guess, sort of for an interactive fiction piece, particularly for one with a whole team behind it. Yeah, I mean, most interactive fiction is made by individuals, right? Uh, and is worked on as like hobby pieces on the side. There's not a whole lot of people that are making a living off of interactive fiction. I I don't want to just like read Mike Bithell's Twitter timeline, but I really love the way that he's launched both of these games. Uh, the last time he pretty much uh, announced the game and released it with basically a single tweet. And this time uh, he had a whole thread of tweets and he said back in August, we released an experimental short by surprise. It was a decision heralded at launch as uh, okay, I guess, and probably not a good idea. It's a choice <laughs> that felt right. And obviously a choice that was open to me, thanks to our reputation and all of you. That game's name was subsurface circular. It got the best reviews we've ever had and a steam rating that I'm still not entirely convinced. Isn't the result of a weird bug. It also, thanks to being pretty cheap to make, made its money back quickly and has kept us all going since. Crucially, by not letting hype set in and by being incredibly upfront about the limited scope, I think we treated the audience fairly and gave them a game, the game that we promised. I'm proud of that. I'm also proud of the your face jokes. So why is this incredibly self so why this incredibly self-indulgent thread? Because it's important to thank all of you for your support. It's also important to build up a little anticipation for what comes next as we build out on this idea with a new game. Not that we need much anticipation, because we're launching it in five minutes. See you then. And then the next tweet was, <laughs> Quarantine Circular, a narrative short game we made about talking to an alien on a boat. Out now, if you liked Subsurface Circular, this might be worth a look. So I really loved love his style here. Last time we said Bithel Beyonce'd us. Uh, and this time it's more like this is his thing now. He's Bithling us again. Um, I I love that that I think he's really found the right approach to launching. At some point, will you say game. that Beyonce Bithels us? 
<laughs> I don't know if he'll ever quite make it to those those vaunted halls. That stratosphere of publicity. We'll see. <laughs> if he keeps doing this in our very niche area, he could be Beyonce. I'm sure Think there about are people it. All who Beyonce read... has to do is drop some uh, drop some interactive fiction. I'm sure there's people who are like, uh, what, is, what do you mean, Bithel Beyonce us? What are you even talking about? I'm sure there are plenty of our listeners Dude, if, who were like. <laughs> if Beyonce's next, next record was a interactive fiction uh, game. And that's all it was. I'd be it so be into that. I would die. <laughs> I would die. But yeah, this game uh, came better. out with only five minutes notice, which I love. Uh, and I think he's really kind of hit on the right way to um, launch, promote, and market a, a product like this. I mean, uh, a really, really short, incredibly tightly scoped game like this that is, uh, you know, it's a, a five-ish dollars on Steam. Um, the game is incredibly upfront with the audience about like, this is an incredibly short, uh, sort of one sitting experience. Uh, and it's a narrative driven type of game and it, it puts all, it wears all of that on its sleeve. Uh, and I think because of that, people go into it knowing what to expect and they feel like they've been treated fairly. You get a lot of these really crummy steam reviews on, like I was reading through the steam reviews for our, our last game that we covered low, um, I'm doing it again. Far Far loan loan sales. sales. And uh, some of them were really, really harsh. You know, folks were like, uh, $15 for a game that only lasted three hours. What a ripoff. And I think that's because, you know, it it didn't wear its length on its sleeve as a pro in quite as, I mean, some people, I think most people felt very fairly treated by that game, but some people maybe didn't because they went into it with the wrong expectations. Mike Bithell is really, really good about setting expectations on these games and then slightly over delivering on them. I was surprised by some of the new stuff in this game that we didn't see in the last one. So um, I, I'm really happy that he's continued with the quote unquote Bithell shorts Um and I hope he does more of them. Actually, something interesting about that is that did you notice it didn't use the the Bithel Shorts branding? I did not. No, no. I did not. Yeah, the, I, I, I don't remember if he used that in the actual. Game it was or on it was the title online. screen. It was definitely yeah. on the title screen mm. in uh, in Subsurface Circular, and they dropped it for this game. And I'm wondering if maybe that kind of indicates that like he doesn't feel he needs to. Uh, go out of his way to say this is something separate from my other work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you said something too that stuck out to me because I, I do think he's handled this really, really well, and I think he's set really well expectations. Um, but I think that's also it's a product of him already being a successful game developer. Mm-hmm. He has a big following, and so he needs to do that a little bit more. Um, I have a hard time saying this is the right way for all short games to be released because I think, sure. you know, like no build up, no press probably would just make a lot of games disappear. Yeah. No build up, no press is exactly what kills a lot of games. Yeah, yeah we saw that in entertainment where um, people got really excited by the pay what you can model because a couple very, very popular comedians were able to do it or a couple very popular comic artists were able to do it or but like radiohead the biggest band in the world <laughs> i yeah. can't do a pay what i can <laughs> like, yeah so i think I, it depends and i i think though this game is we've been talking about much it fits our philosophy but it's also just a game i think we if it wasn't mike bithel we would be excited to cover because it's got a lot of really rich themes i think to quote him again since we're quoting him so much he described the game as uh, one sitting game for adults in search of a polished new world to discover a uh, couple words to pull out. It's adults. It's not sexy. It's not gory, but it is very, it requires you, didn't get, you didn't get the same ending. I did. Depends oh, on man. your definition of sexy. Yeah. Man. Okay, fine. If I got the ending where everyone got out of their takes ha- off his hazmat armor. suits Ooh. and had an orgy on the boat, like, man, I need yeah. to replay this game. But I will say polished and, you know, new world to discover. Mm-hmm. It's on Earth, but not really, just like any good sci-fi. There's a lot to dig into for yeah. a pretty mm-hmm. short conversation. Yeah. In terms of just the setting and that new world that we're discovering, I, I, anytime I'm looking at something like this that's more or less a – I have to review it based on the story, you know, because it's not shooty-shooty man's. 
uh, I, I wind up comparing it to movies. And um, so this, to me, has this sort of feel of like art house sci-fi, you know, the kind of stuff that is, you know, or like we start off with like, there's tons of, of great pieces of sci-fi where it's just people sitting around talking to each other. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, but it's usually this sort of artier stuff and you've got stuff like arrival or maybe Solaris or the first blade runner. Uh, and you know, there's you know, varying degrees of action in all of those. And in this, there's basically, uh, no action except some people walk into or out of the room. <sighs> um, yes. Yeah. Sorry. No spoilers. I almost called it a kitchen sink drama at one point, and I was like, it has nothing to do with kitchen sinks, but it, it's the same kind of two people in one area. I mean, yeah, the title, yeah. Quarantine Circular, refers to a literal circle where 99% of the game takes place. Exactly. I, I thought of the word bottle episode while while watching it. You know, <laughs> yeah, bottle yes. episode. Yeah, sure. it's it's a it's a great way to setting it on a boat is a great way to kind of condense the the like scope of the game. You know, you know that no uh, no new characters are coming to the boat exactly. No one's getting off the boat. You know that you know you know the, this game has a a very set scope. Um, very quickly, it appears it becomes clear. Very quickly, it becomes clear that no pirates are arriving. Yeah, unfortunately, that would have been interesting. But uh, it's. It's a it's a really well scoped game. Uh, you know the subsurface circular. You you knew that you were never leaving the train, but it wasn't necessarily because you couldn't leave the train. I, I think they had a reason that you couldn't leave the train, but uh, it was here here the the setting works, and also the fact that you know this is about an alien in containment in quarantine. Uh, it helps keep the scope really limited. Um, but this is a this is a game about characters talking to each other. Uh, it's a it's a science fiction story that is entirely driven by uh, philosophy and decision-making. And, yeah. yes. and it's also really, really convenient because, you know, if you need a good reason to explain to your alien exactly what is going on in the outside world, it's because you're on a boat and you can't show him pictures. Yeah. There's, yeah. You there's... can't like actually go out in the world. You have to just describe it. And it works the, so well. The setting serves picture. so many purposes. Uh, we've already touched on a lot of them, but it, it's just, a, it's a really dramatic setting to it. It is very much, um, you know, you're on the, just helipad. on the top of like a, yeah, a helipad on like a big ship. Right. And something is stationed right in the middle of it. And just around you is just ocean. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing more isolated than that. Right. Yeah. Subsurface circular, uh, you know, made some smart choices early on in order to keep the, uh, the basically the price of creating this game down, you know, subsurface circular was set entirely in one location and was populated entirely by robots and robots are much easier and less expensive to animate than people. This game has people in it, but for plot reasons, the people are entirely encased in Basically spacesuits, uh, although they're actually more like quarantine, uh, you know, hazmat, hazmat suits. Hazmat yeah. suits exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so is the alien. He's his face is visible. His face is the only face that's visible, but his body is encased in basically a suit of armor. So uh, that and the location kind of work together to I mean, in the developer commentary, he says that they only created two models for people there's a male model and a female model and they just recolored them for the different characters which is smart yeah and help i'm sure keep the cost that's what i'm down. saying like they have those these these really fashionable spacesuits every one of them has a custom colored spacesuit mm -hmm. with you know <laughs> green arms or red accents but it's all exactly just one model. I yeah. showed Molly the game and she's like, is this Destiny? Are you playing a Destiny <laughs> game? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I felt a little like a clue because everyone has a colored suit and then it matches their the background color of their choices. Yeah. But it also good. really helps you when you're talking to keep the people straight. That's honestly the hardest thing when I read. I had to learn how to read plays in college because it was really hard when there were eight people talking to track who was reading, who was saying what. Mm. And I feel like that can be some interactive fiction <laughs> at times. You can't have everything say, she said, Hermione said, Harry said. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this was a really clever way to keep it moving and not, there's a little headshot and there's a color coding and you always know who's talking. Also, a lot of these people have very distinct attitudes 
So yeah. it was crystal oh, this clear is the who angry was talking. One. This, this is, is the nice angry one. one. This is the yeah. skeptic. Yeah. It's the scientist. And that's a good thing. So let's talk a little bit about the story. I, we're going to be very careful about spoilers because this is a, a three-ish hour entirely story-driven game. And so spoilers are going to be something you're definitely going to want to avoid if you're planning on playing this game, and you should. Um, Mike Bithel gave some guidelines for that. Uh, like in the previous game, there's a button right on the menu that says YouTubers slash streamers. And if you click it, um, it will give you a message from the developers. uh, Thank you for sharing the game with your audience, but also telling you that they would prefer that that if you do so, you only share the first three chapters, of which I think there are seven. And and if you do decide to share more, to clearly label spoilers. So we're going to be following those guidelines as well. We're going to discuss the story of the game pre-spoiler break, but we're only going to be talking about things that happen within the first three chapters. Then we're going to have a spoiler break, and we're going to have what I think is probably going to be a pretty brief discussion of endings and other things that we can't bring up without being spoilery about stuff that comes up later in the game. And something to keep in mind if you are thinking in terms of Subcircus Circular or other games, this one is very branching. There are multiple endings. So when we get to spoiler break, we're probably going to be lightly spoiling alternate endings for each other because I want to know how things turned out. Uh, If you really are planning to replay and want to discover on your own, Maybe wait until you've gotten, I think there's six different endings, enough that you feel like you're ready to hear more. Yeah, Subsurface Circular, um, it had uh, it had different choices to make, but ultimately it had two endings. And really, those two endings came down to one choice that you made at the very end of the game. This game has a few more branching points than that, and I think it has a total of six endings. Uh, I've only really gotten two of them, and the two that I got were pretty close to each other. I haven't gone back and explored for every possible ending yet. Um, so we'll see what uh, what we have to talk about when it comes to the endings. But the uh, uh, the story of the game overall, anybody want to kind of kind of intro the world of the game or the story, what's going on? Okay, so it takes place on Earth. I don't think we have a, a date, but I think we can assume it's in the future. Uh, and a plague has wiped out the you know standard plague sort of thing a lot of people in the world are dying from the plague and the story takes place on a boat that is part of a fleet of hospitals like it's a hospital fleet they're going around trying to save people save the uh cure the plague basically do good things save people Mostly, it seems like through quarantine. There's there's not much they can do to treat this plague. Um, part of the sci-fi setup of this is that they talk about how it's been decades since uh, antibiotics were effective because all of the diseases in the world have evolved past that. Uh, you know, people overused antibiotics, a real concern today, and we have superbugs. Hilariously... The option for that dialogue is you're you're playing this lowly translator at this time and you get to talk to the epidemiologist and he's like, so you're an epidemiologist, but you're about the plague. And she's like, we're quarantining people. He's like, cool. Have you tried antibiotics? She's <laughs> yeah. like, um, yes. I, it's a major it's a major part of the plot uh, that, you know, humans are or antibiotics don't work anymore. And. I know that every like that gets talked a lot about, but I, I did appreciate it as a as a future reason for post apocalypse, you know, for for the apocalypse sort of thing. A lot of times, it's it's even more judgmental, like oh, the humans got too much into gasoline and now everyone's dead, or the humans waged nuclear war on each other. Uh, but this one is we overused a type of medicine and did not adapt properly, and now we're all dead, and it feels more real than a lot of the reasons why you have post-apocalyptic, you know, settings. Mm-hmm. So I definitely appreciate that. And it's a major theme of the game. Yeah. And that is also, of course, why all the characters are wearing these hazmat suits, uh, you know, better safe than sorry. The world is being overrun by bad superbug bacteria. And so they are all wearing these containment suits to try to protect themselves from, I presume their patients, but also just generally, apparently the, the, the uh, disease is spreading even through groundwater. So anything is potentially a threat. I thought that the um, 
the question about antibiotics was sarcastic and I didn't ask it because of course they they tried antibiotics and so I knew all about the plague but I didn't know this whole story about antibiotics not working anymore yeah I I also felt it was sarcastic but I I was I decided in my Sometimes I get completionist on these games, and this also might explain why I got a different ending from everybody else, but sometimes I just want to kind of be a bit of a dick to get more of a reaction, because yeah. uh, you exchange them for more information in the game, and especially in the first playthrough, I'm willing to be, you know, have you tried antibiotics? <laughs> I'm willing to be <laughs> that person, because I think it's also funny, and I want to see the epidemiologist shoot him down as well. Yeah, I also feel like I had that sort style of conversation multiple times. I, I was just saying that I felt like antibiotics and you know the overuse of them was a relatively big theme in the game, and you're saying that you didn't see that at all. So that's funny. I guess that's one. Branch. Did it become one of those um, topics that you could go back to the um, the focus I points? Don't, I don't think so. The antibiotics, but no? I felt okay. like it did come up from time to time. Yeah. Um, in any case, I was kind of the, wondering we're if I kind of glossing over the fact that there's also a gigantic alien standing on the bow of the ship. Yeah, so I was gonna get, I was gonna get to that. So <laughs> well, you we, asked about the world of the game, yeah. and so we decided to ignore the one central thing that matters the most in the entire game. Right <laughs> so that's the setting, right? But the inciting <laughs> incident of the game is that this uh, fleet of hospital ships has captured an alien that was. A, a, a huge it, one thing says you know they they look like an orc, a, a huge armored alien uh, that was just walking down the middle of Dubra- Dubrovnik, 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 something like uh, that. It's King's Landing and Game of Thrones, Nate. It's very important. <laughs> sorry, it, it is. I'm sorry, but not uh, in this world. Sorry. <laughs> And they, so they are dealing with so much shit, you know, they are, they see themselves as, you know, the, the last, um, chance for hum- humanity. They're the, the ones that are going to try to cure it, try to save people, etc. And now they found this alien, it's, and this uh, is you know, first contact. First, this yeah, is not, first contact. yeah, this is not a normal thing for them to have an alien, like a literal, uh, at one point, a character describes him as a Tolkien-esque crab monster. Yeah, and they're all—they're all just not happy people, basically. Like everything sucks for everyone, and now they have what seems to be a monster that maybe has something to do with the plague. They don't know, and so they have chosen to, as they figure out what's going on, quarantine the monster on the helipad. Uh, they keep him in the circle. He's restrained. If he moves or leaves, he is like electrocuted, basically not to death, but pretty heavily. And that's where the game picks up. You are playing as you start by playing as Mark Perez. He's a engineer who is tasked with installing a translator which is basically like a babble fish they they make a joke uh that it's machine learning it can be used to decipher and create uh and allow people to talk to each other so like mark speaks spanish you know you can assume that some of the other characters speak other languages but they're all able to communicate because of these translators and so he is set to install a translator for this alien and that's where we learn that like the translator gives it the name Gabriel and that's kind of where the game can I talk up. about Gabriel's design for a second because we, we just we brought up that he was described as a Tolkien-esque crab monster and um, it's he's, he's the best looking thing in this game because everyone else is just a boring suit so he I t- didn't think he looked particularly Tolkien-esque frankly I kind of agree someone else described him as orc-like and I just didn't get that at all. He looked very, like... Um, Brabby. He looked like Garrus had put on a lot of weight. <laughs> yes. The crab face thing really just just dominates the whole aesthetic. Yeah, I thought it was know? more like a Star Wars character. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Something it looks like size-wise, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It looks like somebody out of the cantina. Yeah. He looks like someone who would have ordered a bag of cats to, <laughs> or, to snack uh, out. Or like a Fifth Element style. Yeah. Uh, 
alien. And he sounded, he just <laughs> sounded like somebody taking the world's most epic, like, slowest bong rips <laughs> I swear yeah. to god I did not hear that at all till you put that in our slack channel and then going forward that's all I heard that's all I heard <laughs> was like because you don't actually get any dialogue in the voiceover you just hear these like epic bong hits like and then there's just nothing it's just some typing and I was like yep that's 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 the Philosophy of a man who just ripped a giant. It's the marijuana <laughs> who has come to Earth. He's come to share the cure with you. Yeah. He is, uh, I think, a really cool character design. But what what's more is like I think it's interesting, like a really interesting character situation. Like I really love um, first contact stories. You know, e- even bad ones. I always love sort of someone trying to play out okay what would the first contact with an alien be like and you get some choices about what your first contact is actually like here you know you can trust gabriel or you can distrust him um the very first important choice you can make in the game is uh, as your uh, engineer kind of sets up the translator uh, he asks the engineer to disable his restraint, his electrical restraint. And you get the choice to either surreptitiously do that and disable the restraint or to leave the restraint enabled because I don't know you, man, you're a gigantic, uh, you know, crab monster. I, I don't, and you could snap me in half with, with like one arm. So the choices are mostly about, do we trust Gabriel or not? And then there's, more and more sort of wrenches thrown into that. Okay, so you trust Gabriel, but how much do you trust him? Or, uh, you know, are you going to side with him over other humans? Um, yeah. It, it gets more complicated. I mean, in the history of sci-fi movies and books, I think generally if a alien's gonna done do you wrong, it happens pretty quick. Like, you get deceived in the first four pages, and then the rest of it's about the epic war with the alien. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. All the other ones where you're talking, the alien is a good guy. <laughs> like, it's just very, very... And, and humans are awful. Like, there's just a lot of sympathetic aliens, because I guess it's no fun to have a really deceptive American-style sleeper agent alien that works for an entire book and the end is like, ha ha suckers, humanity's dead. And the, re- the last chapter just says everyone died. <laughs> so and they were all it was interesting because I didn't know how this one was going to go. Yeah. yeah. I've been watching a, uh, I've been uh, watching a ton of Star Trek lately, working my way through like the entire scope of Star Trek. And I'm like into deep space nine right now. It's just like, this is such a classic, like Star Wars episode, basically like we don't know who this alien is. Do we trust him? He says a lot of nice things. Like it just everything was was great. And don't worry, Reagan's going to go back and edit where where you just said Star Wars instead of Star Trek. Yes. Did I say yes. Star Wars? <laughs> you oh, said it's Star Wars. Worry. Episode. Reagan can edit that out. <laughs> no. Trek. Like, you said Star Trek at the first. Uh, no, doesn't matter. I'm not going to no, edit it out. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling it out. I will excuse it because I said Star Wars earlier when I was describing the monster. Uh, I'm in a lot of Star Trek right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's a good that's a good call out though because this is a very Star Trek story. It's really great that this game is just going to be a conversation because if what I do does end in intergalactic war, Mike Bithel didn't do it. It doesn't have an effect on the runtime. <laughs> like I know that whatever I could have massive effects, everyone could die because it's still going to be satisfying. You know, the game will have consequences. Versus if this was a forty hour game, whatever I did in the first two hours, like. You can't really affect a two-hour, you know, with a 40-hour game in the first two hours because you choose to destroy mankind. The game needs you to destroy mankind. Here, I could do whatever I want. The world is my plaything. You can be a dick to that alien if you want. You can be its best friend. And I can do both with different characters, so. Yeah, Yeah, and that's a really awesome... So that that's it's not like a twist. It's like a gameplay twist that I feel like probably caught everyone. Yeah, totally. Uh, So you play the first level or first chapter. Chapter, Yeah. As engineer Mark Perez. And then the second chapter happens and it switches perspective. Now you are playing as 
uh, is it Gabriel in the second one? Or uh, I it... think that's the third one. The second chapter, uh, it, there's, there's actually two kind of twists like that. If you played Subsurface Circular, Subsurface Circular was only ever one-on-one conversations between your robot detective and other robots. Um, in this, the second chapter uh, very much surprised me when up walks another person and then another one. And so you have these conversations that might be as many as four people involved. And that in group and of chat. itself was like, yeah, it's basically group chat, uh, which was kind of interesting because they used like, because they're all speaking to each other through this digital translation service, they can do things like mute each other during the conversation, which I thought was a very funny and interesting kind of a twist. But it is uh, multi-party conversations, which you didn't have at all in the previous game. And then on top of that, yeah, Nate, the, the next thing was suddenly there's a, a shift in the like uh, you know, player character or perspective. I thought we were going to be playing this whole game as engineer Mark Perez, but then suddenly we're playing as Gabriel. Yeah, and, and the way the, the story kind of moves forward is you get these little objectives for each sort of scene. Um, you know, one might like the, the very first objective for for. Uh, for Mark is establish established translation uh, or something like that. And it's basically you have to talk to the robot enough so that the translator machine is working properly. And you just do that through talking to him. Uh, and you achieve these in a number of different ways. The objectives change, um, but they get more and more like story specific, like make this person leave or get this person to like you, etc. And sometimes when you switch the character, switch perspective, that focus, that objective will be kind of at odds with what maybe you had decided you were going to play, you know, the previous character as. Uh, and it, it's a really interesting thing where you're you're really trying to play. And I got kind of into it, like the role playing aspect of like, what would this character want to do? Uh, not just what would I, Nate, do in this situation, but what would this character, how would they go about doing this objective? Uh, and it was uh, really fun, and I think led to me having an ending that I might not have normally re- had. I enjoyed that you called it role-playing, because that's exactly what I thought, because um, when we were talking about Dungeons & Dragons with Shane, while back he talked about a, a same page rule guide that basically said how you're going to play Dungeons & Dragons, um, that everyone would answer this questionnaire. And something that's always stuck with me on that is that you can choose whether you're the type of team that will always play hard even when you're the villain, or even when you're at odds with the rest of the team, you're going to play your objective hard, or if you can be someone who will back up so that everyone in the group can play towards a goal. This game lets you when you switch personalities, you can be working towards the same goal or you can just decide, screw it. This character doesn't like this alien. I'm going to be a jackass. It's indifferent. And I applaud that the game lets you have both options because sometimes games don't actually want you to be the bad guy. They give you a good guy and a bad guy response and they kind of, you know, you can play. um, What's the, what is the Star Wars game where you, are playing either Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can play Knights of the Republic, but you make a choice. This game lets you keep waffling. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's the really mean character, or I don't know if mean is is the right word for it, but stern and very focused on one particular outcome. And I found myself wanting to move this story in a certain direction but it didn't feel exactly right with some of the decisions that had already been made in the game and the, the way the character had been going for me to make this person suddenly not very stern and very mean. Um, mm. So I ended up kind of sticking with it uh, later in the game and it has, you know, its consequences and part of me wants to go back and, and play it totally different to, to say like how I want the story to go you know, cause you can kind of tell like if you're nice here, a certain thing might happen. If you're not a certain thing might happen. That's called a dramatic situation. Mm-hmm. Something else about this though, you know, I, I'm sometimes put off by narrative focused games. Uh, visual novels are a big um, uh, offender with this where the game 100% expects you to play through it multiple times in order to get multiple endings. Cause otherwise you're not going to see the whole story. Um, this isn't that sort of game with 
you know, it, it has uh, choices and multiple endings, but I think it's sort of designed, or at least it felt designed to me to give you a complete experience with a single playthrough. Um, and it's more about like making choices about what kind of story you want to tell rather than like, okay, did I get the good ending or the bad ending? Mm-hmm. You're really given a lot of choices, but ultimately I, th- I get the feeling that all of these endings are kind of equally canon, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're just unending. Mm-hmm. There's definitely you're right. I when I when I finished the game, I was like, oh, my first thought was, what kind of ending did I get? Did I get the good ending? Did I get the bad ending? Did I get the neutral ending? And I couldn't really pin that down. And I suspect that that is probably the answer for most endings. I think most will be bittersweet. Hmm. You you can't have good stakes without having some bit of nuance in an ending something else about so. the endings i feel like this did have a a problem that i had with uh with subsurface circular uh, that i think i also had with this is that i did feel like the endings were not very climactic um i played through to a couple of different endings in this game i felt the same way about um subsurface circular where Yes, you get this sort of monumental choice at the end, but I don't know what else I'm expecting with the sort of presentation of this game, but it it sort of feels like the end is we've made our choice, fade to black, and get some text about how things played out after you made your choice. I, I, I know I'm probably asking for too much here, but I did kind of feel like I would have at least liked some sort of unique ending graphics, even if it was just something like a like a illustration or a title card or something. I, I did sort of feel like the endings are a little bit underpresented. Um, they're interesting endings from a story standpoint, but I kind of felt like, oh, 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 wait, that was it. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, that's the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they they definitely uh didn't have you know, these epic endings uh, did, rendered out. I didn't expect 3D, like a 30 sure. minute ending cutscene, like yeah. fully voiced with action or <laughs> animations or yeah, anything. To, but I kind of would have liked just some illustrations or something. Three art assets and one of them's a boat. Unless the boat sinks, what are you going to show? It, it's interesting because there's um, uh, the Ryan North game, the Hamlet simulator does have a unique graphic for each of the ways that you know every single ending in there. You die a lot in that game. But that's kind of its deal. There's like 140 weird little comic endings for your death. This one felt very much like the, you know, an ending to an arty movie where mm-hmm. it was like, and then they, fa- you know, existential quote, <laughs> and then, you know, humanity was saved, humanity was doomed. Like it's a very, um, it's not exactly what it is, but it felt like making a reference to one of those. Yeah, it did feel sort of arty. Art I movies. agree, and I, I, I'm not saying that it was a bad ending at all. They should but. have done like the American Graffiti style ending, where they go from character to character, and they just sort of turn to the camera, and it freezes, and you see some text saying like, that "Gabriel went home and had a clutch of eggs," and <laughs> uh, Gabriel's eggs grew up to be uh, the new leaders of the resistance, or something. I, I feel like Gabriel would lay eggs. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. Well, uh, I mean, early on in the game, they do ask you for Gabriel's pronouns. That's true. They do. Um, so I really feel like we've covered the majority of what this game yeah. is. I don't know if I there's much else we can say without getting into spoilers. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should move into uh, the, the spoiler section now. And yeah. I, I think... I can say that I highly recommend this game. Um, I, do you guys feel the same? I do. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I love following Mike Bithell's work. I think he's constantly doing interesting things. This is the first time that he's done a game that seemed to sort of repeat itself. Like, you know, uh, Thomas Was Alone was very, very different from Volume, was very, very different from Subsurface Circular. Um, this is the first time I've seen him kind of do the same thing again, but it's really interesting to see him kind of evolve this idea and try new things. And from a story perspective and also mechanically just with the, with the multiple characters and perspectives and everything, this game was 
absolutely more interesting on almost every level than subsurface circular. Um, and the one thing that it kind of drew back from the puzzles, which were, were what I thought was kind of the, uh, the, the weakest part of subsurface circular anyway. Um, so I think this made some really, really good choices. It's an interesting step forward for this style of game. And it's really interesting to see somebody like putting out, I mean, this is a tiny game by like video game ass video game, uh, perspective but this is like a triple a interactive fiction release so it's really interesting to see stuff like that coming out and continuing to come out i would love to see him instead of having released it through this released it through if comp oh my god (laughs) that would be the biggest bomb just exploding (laughs) if comp i'll say that my last word on this game is uh it might be about the end times, but it is not a bummer. There's a lot of humor in yeah. here. If you liked the humor in Thomas Alone, there's a lot of it sprinkled throughout. Again, I mentioned that, hey, have you tried antibiotics? Like, that's a funny <laughs> answer whether or not you play it. But there's a lot, there's actual you know, silliness mixed in. Uh, the stakes are high, but it doesn't fall into the trap I've seen in some sci-fis where it is all doom and gloom all the time. So I love the mix. Some good goofs. Yeah, it's got good good goofs, but it's also just got good, solid writing, good science fiction writing, the kind of science fiction that, uh, you know, is clearly has philosophical points to make or points about, you know, the the present human condition to make uh, and just good overall writing. I just really thought this was a good story. Well told. Um, So if that sounds appealing to you, check out this game. It's on Steam for Windows and Mac. Uh, I played it on Windows, but I assume it played fine on Mac for you guys. Yep. Yeah, and it uh, it is. I how much was it again? I think it's four or five, five or six bucks. Five bucks. Yes, currently uh, it is six dollars on Steam, which is a totally fair uh, price. The game should take you probably about three hours to complete. So before we roll into our spoiler break, uh, we have been each week sharing a little something that's making us happy this week. So Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I want to suggest people try a very silly uh, iOS game called Zero Sum. It is a, the tagline they've come up with it is Sudoku meets Die Hard. And (laughs) it's a weird little math puzzle where you're like, the mechanics are that you are basically, you have these numbers and you're changing you know, adding plus and minus signs to get the row to add to zero. But in between this, you get these really weird B-movie live video cut, not live, but, you know, video cutscenes of actors very badly talking about how you're making an algorithm with your math to cure cancer, but the math terrorists have come in to kill the professor. So you've erased some stuff on the blackboard real quick. So the math terrorists can't get the algorithm for cancer cure. And but your grandma's die of cancer, so you have to fix it real fast. And like, but the math terrorists might also kill you. There's terrible, terrible B-movie stuff where like the people are kind of glitching in loops the whole time, and then they deliver their lines horribly. It's all subtitled. There are some qualms of the game, like you have to finish a whole section before you get the next video clip, which is annoying if you bug out. But it is so weirdly funny. Um, I'll share some gifts to put on the site, but they have things like, listen to me, I need you to cure cancer again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so weird. Like, who made this? Like, the second tagline after Sudoku Boots Die Hard is, it's up to you to fill in the symbols and re-cure cancer. Like, what? That's, yeah. Who- who decides this is a game? It's probably my silliest concept since The Executive, and you know how much I loved The Executive. Oh, that was a cool nice. game. Yeah. Nate, what's making you happy this week? Well, Reagan, I'm going to say boats. Boats are making me happy this week. I went, uh, not only this game, uh, that it was very boat-focused, but I went down to the lake uh, over Memorial Day weekend, which is the quintessential Midwest experience. Uh and I was on a boat for like half the weekend. We went down with uh, Molly and we took Lola on the boat for the first time uh, in her existence. And that was fun. Uh, so boats, boats are making me happy. That is a good answer. 
my my what's making me happy this week was also a Memorial Day thing. Uh, on Memorial Day, I went to a concert at Red Rocks, which is an amazing concert venue here in in the sort of Denver area. It's basically a gigantic canyon of these amazing like red rocks sticking up out of the ground and in between them in a sort of valley, they've built this amazing uh, concert venue. And I saw a show uh, with Lizzo and Haim together. And nice. Uh, I have to say that. So the thing that's specifically making me most happy this week is the music of Lizzo. Lizzo is so great. So if you don't know Lizzo, Lizzo is a, uh, a hip hop rap artist. She's great. Her, her shtick is sort of like body positivity and like loving yourself. And all of her songs are incredibly infectiously positive and just happy and, you know, uh, screw the haters and just incredibly fun to listen to. She's great. So if you are not familiar with Lizzo, I will put a link in the show notes to a Lizzo song for you to listen to, hopefully on Spotify or something. Look up Lizzo. She's great. So I have said that if they were to make a uh, little fair, like tomorrow, the people I would want headlining would be Lizzo, Haim, Carly Rae Jepsen and Solange. I Maybe would Janelle pay Monet any show price up, to go to that show. Any of those combinations would be the best millennial Lil affair ever. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be amazing. I had a I had a good half of a Lil affair uh, on Memorial Day. So Shane, what's making mm-hmm. you happy this week? Uh, uh well, this week is, um, I've got to say, like I've been really just working a lot this week, so I haven't had that much time to. Really party down and have fun, but so Shane's answer I is nothing. Something nothing has made him happy. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, it's true. I did get something in the mail that I'm really enjoying uh, reading now, and that came out I think just yesterday, and it's called Morden Canaan's Tome of Foes. Oh, you got it! I did. It's a um, it's a new book from Wizards of the Coast. It's a new Dungeons and Dragons book, and uh, I think it's really great. Uh, it's the closest like analogy to it for people that have played D&D from the old days is kind of like the fiend folio which was full of different monsters that are more the kind of mastermind types and but what it is is it's tremendously well written because it's written in this voice of this famous wizard from from D&D's multiverse uh Morden Kanan uh one of the you know people after whom many spells are named and it catalogs all these different wars that are going on throughout the multiverse. So, you know, the, the war between, uh, you know, chaos and evil, uh, you know, in the nine hells, uh, is, (laughs) is, is extensively covered. And what I love the most time that that war is getting the coverage it deserves I'm still just I'm still just getting into it, you know. I'm and I'm not really, you know. People forget about the Blood War. People forget <laughs> about the Blood War. They call it the Forgotten War, or about the Gith and their endless war. Uh, but my favorite thing is that it brings in some stuff from the old Spelljammer oh, uh, setting as well. Fun. And so, uh, not Gith, but Gif, G I F F. I'm a huge fan of because they are hippopotamus people. Amazing and. <laughs> They are spacefaring hippopotamus people uh, with guns, and they wear really elaborate uh, military uniforms, and they just look so, so good. So um, I guess the GIF are what's making me happy this week. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, We're rolling towards our spoiler break. Uh, So before you leave us, uh, I've been Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Or you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Also on the web at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form. Best way to let us know what games you think are awesome and we should be checking out. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nate STL. And Shane, where can people find you? Also over on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Here is your spoiler break. So what sort of endings did you guys get? 
Well, I think if I had to back solve that the endings are based on, you know, kind of everyone's attitudes towards Gabriel and who you send as a diplomat and how well they do. Because your your admiral gets to decide, you know, who you go with. And, and I decided that, yes, I was going to save humanity and accept the cure, but I was going to send the worst person possible to do that. And that would have been... Uh, uh, I sent uh, the uh, Tang, the angry security expert, kind of accidentally. Um, they were like, are you sure, you know, I, your team disagrees and thinks that you should send this horrible, horrible diplomat? And I was like, all right. Like, it was like, do you sh- are you sure you want to listen to the team more? And I thought I was opening up more dialogue, but instead I agreed to send the security expert in to talk, who was angry. Because in my ending... Uh, I ducked and after getting this, you know, robot really riled up and he punched out the scientist. So basically I sent a person who was like, this person deserves to die to do my negotiating. So she's not a good negotiator. You play, you try to be nice, but you can't really be that nice because it's very clear that you hate it. Um, and you get the option. Eventually the robots, the, I almost said robot, the alien is, Basically like, nope, humanity sucks. All of you suck. I've even lost trust in my boy, Mark. Like, you guys all deserve to die. Like, I should have never come here. You guys are worthless. And then she's like, psych, I've reactivated your collar. You have to trade me the... You you won't get out of here if you don't give me the cure. And Mm, so I negotiated... Very different ending than what I got. So I was able to negotiate. He was like, why should I trust you? And and you can apparently lose and like bluff out. And I was like, well, um, self interest that if I like Occam's razor, basically, if you don't um, trade me, then humanity dies, and it is worth more to me to let you go and brand you a terrorist, basically. So I let him go. At the end, even at the very end, you have the choice to betray him and stun him and kill him rather than actually let him go after he gives you the cure. Wow. Um, but I let him go and he runs off and then you get this like note that's basically like, Hey, you're the, as if you were the co-founder of bespoke bio solutions, Tangly. And it says basically that, you know, the creature did what prisoners do. I let the terrorists run off. I worked with the Admiral and like, it's really sad that the professor didn't survive. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, I saved humanity, and I get to be the hero CEO of this corporation, but no one gets to know that I was the bad guy the entire game. Wow. That's my ending. That's all big pharma. That's awesome. Um, This is going to be short. I got literally the same ending. No, really? Weird. Okay. the same thing. I got such a completely different ending. Uh, Did you... So did you send I, 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 in tech or tanger? No. So okay, I have a couple questions for you. First off, did you disable the collar in the first scene? Yes. yes. Okay. So so did I, which meant that when uh, Gabriel goes, so at the 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 towards the end, my final scene. I'm not sure if this was the same for you. Was with the um, professor. Uh, what was her name? Zima. Uh, the professor. Professor and the Zima and expert, Tang. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Gabriel goes to hit Tang. Tang didn't dodge because she thought that the collar was still active. And oh, okay. so um, I didn't, I think, have a choice about whether he hit Tang or not. He just hit Tang and she went down. And so she wasn't even in any of my final negotiation scenes at all. So I had a choice between sending... Um, to, to negotiate with uh, with him, I either had a choice between sending in the professor, uh, Zima, or sending in uh, Mark, the uh, engineer from the first scene, mm-hmm. uh, or of the admiral going himself. Yeah, it was my, for me, the choice was admiral or Tang. Those are the, that was the choice yeah, I got. Yeah, and I think, I, and I could be wrong here, at the end there, it, it, it seems to make you think you have the choice of sending in Mark which I tried to do, and it basically forced me into putting out Tang. I see. Okay. Well, so, I think I did have the option to send the Admiral, but I'm not sure. It might have been the same sort of thing. But yeah, I definitely but like, ended up sending send uh, Zima 
um, you know, Professor Zima. And um, they had already had like a nice conversation and their like friendship factor or whatever was very high at that point. Mm. So the final scene was mostly kind of chummy and making decisions about what the practicalities of the cure would be. So the big choice at the end for me was between um, uh, whether, so he had developed his, you know, counter virus or whatever it was called. The choice was between, yes, thank you, uh, was between either infecting the professor with it because he had to leave immediately. The choice was between infecting the professor with it so that then she could try to spread it to others Um, or take him back to Dubrovnik, drop him off and let him try to shake as many hands as he could Gabriel before the uh, the other bad aliens came and picked him up. Um, wow. And, and the, the choice was sort of between like there was the having him shake more hands was the more short to work, but more sort of involuntary risk to the populace. Like, you know, you weren't there's no it's not uh, not conf- informed consent. Uh, whereas the uh, in, infecting just the professor and then letting her study it would be more informed consent, but riskier. And so I decided to go that route because I don't know, um, informed consent is important to me, I guess, even in the face of human destruction. <laughs> so it was, I thought, a really solid ending. Yeah, I wonder if we lost, you know, Marco was a little too trusting. I, I wonder if we had given enough doubt to the security expert to Tang that she decided that she did need to dodge because during the conversation, he kept being like, are you sure that this works? Like, you sure I can't get out? You know, I think, you know, did you even have a choice to dodge or? Yeah, I, I certainly had the choice. We had the choice. Don't think I had the choice for her to dodge. If I did, I might have stand your ground or dodge. missed it, but I don't think I had that choice. I, I might be missing something, but I don't think I you had the choice. You might not get the choice depending on how you play. And I, I'd be surprised if there's a couple other, like, for example, we maybe, you know, if we played differently, could have sent in someone else, but at the end, but we played it so that Marco couldn't go in. Cause he had already said he's too low ranking, too low ranking. Like I'd played a lot of those cards. Mm. So maybe at the end it was like, well, Marco is too self-effacing to go in. Yeah. Maybe if I played him bolder, he made it. Maybe. I don't know what all the branching points are on this, but I, I do think that it does give you interesting choices. And I was, I was happy with the ending that I got. I felt like it was a quote unquote good ending, I guess. But, um, I went back and played through just that final scene um, again with uh, the professor speaking with Gabriel and uh, chose the other option. And, you know, both options were pretty equally interesting and not uh, not that significantly different. I would like to go back sort of farther upstream and make some very different choices. Like I'd like to see how this stuff plays out if Gabriel stays locked in his thing the whole time. The one thing that was clear about that was like it did seem like if he got zapped while he was working on the phage, then it it would reset. Um, And so I think it is possible if you screw that up, like if, if he, if you um, have the collar enabled and still he gets taunted into trying to hit uh, Tang, I think that just kills the human race probably. Yeah. There, I would assume that there's a ultimate like bad ending annihilation on this for sure. I mean, we didn't choose the stun option at the end either, which would have destroyed stuff. I think for me, one of the interesting things is on the side menu, if you read the notes, there's a lot of puzzling type things that I never used. You know, we didn't really talk about the notes at all. I I think that's actually something I didn't really engage with early enough because it doesn't really mention them in the sort of main content of the game until at least like the third or fourth chapter. And I did go back and read them later. They're super interesting. Um, you can in, you can get background on what happened between uh, Tang and the two aliens in Dubrovnik uh, much earlier than they actually start talking about it. If you read the notes at the sort of appropriate time, um, and there's more sort of just inner details from the characters, and also there's some funny stuff. Mark's notes are kind of funny. Um, yeah, so they are. I didn't really like engage with that early enough. I guess if I was um, telling people what to do, I probably should put this before the spoiler break. Read the notes; they're good. I mean, I just. Kept seeing things like I, I solved some of the puzzles for code words, but there were a lot of, you know, access codes that were never used. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering what pass would have needed me to have everybody's individual access codes. Yeah, good point. I don't know. Yeah. 
there was one early, really, really early that where Mark has Marcus has to give the access code to the admiral, I think, or give it to Tang to give it to mm-hmm. the admiral, and it's just one, two, three. And I, I tried like ten different times to give the wrong one for something to, for something to happen, and it just it, nothing happens. I don't know if maybe there's something after a certain amount, but I did it like ten times. It's like, oh come on, such a clear opportunity for like Tang to get really really mad, um, but but nothing. So that was oh, well. that was yeah a little disappointing. One last thing, I mentioned that this is like Star Trek earlier. Uh, I was getting. Prime Directive vibes from the order. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. constantly, right? It's like, oh, no, this is, like, the bad side of the Prime Directive, right? Um, yeah, and so. I think if, before I roll deeper back to replay, I'm going to play out where you stun at the end and leave his body for the Order to show up in the hope that Order is going to save mankind. I'm pretty sure the Order is not going to do anything for mankind i just kind of want to know how bad i'm gonna i know up the human race there seemed to be a whole route you could take with tang where she like loves the order and is like yeah that sounds great let's do that instead so that'd be interesting to see how that goes yeah i've i think something that's always been kind of interesting about star trek is that they have this prime directive but they you know go against it at every possible opportunity and it's it's interesting to see a prime direct. I mean, I thought I'd seen every prime directive story after watching even, you know, a dozen episodes of star Trek you, uh, but you know, I don't think you usually see the prime directive story from the side of the people being intervened on. It's interesting yeah. to see humanity on the other side of that prime directive. Mm-hmm. I'm re- I really, really liked this game. Uh, I'm glad we got a chance to cover it, and I hope that our listeners give it a shot. It's only six bucks on Steam. Um, Subsurface Circular eventually came out on a lot of additional platforms, and I expect this probably will too. So Subsurface Circular eventually came to iOS. I think it came to the Switch, um, and it, I think it may also have come to some other console or two. I don't remember if it was on PS4 or what, but definitely on switch and on ios and those are both probably great platforms to play it on i would expect the same for this so if you're not in a hurry and you really prefer to play on one of those platforms um, this will probably be coming to those but i i wouldn't necessarily sleep on it if you have if you don't mind playing a narrative game like this on your laptop or computer um, this should run just fine on pretty much whatever you got and it's six bucks it's going to take you one sitting one evening to play um really interesting story i liked it a lot i agree play the game if you're if you made it this far so our next episode will probably be about this year's apple design awards unless something changes on our schedule Uh, we've done that a couple of years in the past Uh, we'll be talking about what games and possibly other stuff wins apple design awards at this uh the upcoming wwdc uh in san jose So if you're an iOS gamer, uh, we haven't covered an iOS game in a little while. Uh, We'll be going back to that and talking about some of the best stuff of this year, or at least what Apple has decided is the best stuff of this year. It's always an interesting chat. So join us next week on another episode of The Short Game.